Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. And see if she can fly to Louisville and then fly with her monkeys <laughs> on your flight to Georgia this weekend. Yeah, that'd I be great. I just want to see your head explode when she walks in there with three monkeys. Pete Thamel! If I was a Washington State beat writer, I would I would put the Komodo Dragon in the Battle Royal next week for Leach. And maybe say, okay, how does the Komodo Dragon match up with the Pac-12 mascots? And Pat Forty. I've seen some beavers do some crazy stuff, man. Those things. <laughs> where, where? And here's Dan. Hi, right, welcome to the pod. I'm going to try to avoid talking catheters this episode. <laughs> Pete said you got a complaint from someone who was uncomfortable with it. It's a medical device, people. Let's grow up. <laughs> Listen, if I'm watching the SEC network and someone's offering me a free catheter... <laughs> I'm not going to be giving away money. It's like losing money if you don't order it. The Liberator is there for you people. Give it a shot. I don't know. I didn't Give order it. A it. Shot. I've never had a catheter. I hope I never, ever have to use one. But I maybe but, they're fun. I don't know. They're giving them away one, for free. A free one, by golly. <laughs> they're giving them away for they're free. Fun? I don't know. You get them for free. Why are you advertising on a football uh, game? Uh, that's great. Anyway, that'll be the it's end like of our catheter talk. So we don't free, we don't offend anybody or make anyone yeah. squirmish. Free preparation H too. You like that? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Man said it was free. Give it a shot. Pocket catheter. Maybe we, I mean, maybe we can get them to sponsor this thing. Yeah, <laughs> then you'll all be in favor of it. Start making some money off this thing. Give us a call, Liberator. Give us a call. <laughs> All right. Don't worry. This podcast will go off the rails very, very quickly. But we're going to start with some serious football talk. All right. All right. Because we got the biggest game of the year thus far. Coming up. Fighting Irish. Georgia Bulldogs. Between the hedges. Although pretty much everyone down south has hedges now. Bunch of copycats. Uh, but the original should be awesome. Pat Forty, you are going. Huge game, obviously, for both teams. Look, if Notre Dame wants to get back to the playoff, they got to go unbeaten. That means beating Georgia, I, I presume. I don't I don't know how they could make it if they're not undefeated. Maybe like a one-point road loss. But <laughs> that is fraught with trouble. Georgia, I think, has to win as an insurance against a stumble in the SEC or losing the SEC title game. I think if Georgia beats Notre Dame, they can lose the SEC title game and have a very strong case to get in. But if they lose, they now have no margin for error. So besides that, it's just two great programs, two great fan bases, one greater stadium, college town, the whole bit. This is pretty much what we uh, were looking for. It just took a few weeks to get here. Pat Forty. Yes, sir. Give us what your thoughts on Georgia Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm really glad they're playing it. Went to the game when they played in South Bend two years ago. It was an awesome scene. There was like 35,000 Georgia fans that got into Notre Dame Stadium. It was pretty amazing. And, you know, those fans looked at it as a once-in-a-lifetime trip. 
And now I think a lot of Notre Dame fans are looking at it the same way. I I don't think there's going to be 35,000 Notre Dame fans uh, in Sanford Stadium, but there'll be a lot of them there. This is a big deal. These are the kind of big deal matchups we love to see. And yes, I agree that the, the impact of this game could be huge unless somebody really screws up. The winner, I think, is in great position. As you mentioned, you know, Georgia could well afford to lose uh, an SEC game, whether it's in the championship or, or somewhere else, and still make it if they win this game. For Notre Dame to, to get that road win, this was the win Georgia got when they made the championship or the playoff in 17. You know, this was the difference maker for them. This is a, uh, it's a big opportunity. I think on paper, Georgia looks fantastic. On, on film, on paper, on TV, I mean, Georgia has looked great this year. I think that uh, uh, Notre Dame is going to be very much up against it. I saw them in person against Louisville. And they'll play better than that, I am sure. But they, that team doesn't look like it's necessarily ready for all of the horses that Georgia has. Amazing offensive production so far from the Bulldogs. And we know the defense is really good, too. I, uh, I have a hard time arguing with all that. I am excited for this game. I, I don't know if Notre Dame really has much of a chance. They are 14-point underdogs. So for a top-10 matchup, there is a little bit of an era of inevitability of, of, of Georgia victory here. Um, I did dig and do a little bit of research. I know football talk and research are frowned upon on this show, but I, I reached out to some of the ticket agencies. This has generally been perceived as the hottest ticket in all of college football this regular season. It's not the highest buy-in right now. But at one point this summer, when people would plan on taking a trip like this, it was actually like double the next highest get in uh, of yeah. any other of any other game in the uh, in, in the country is around seven hundred dollars. It's it's dimmed a little bit. I don't think as many Notre Dame fans are going to make the pilgrimage as Georgia fans did. In part, I talked to Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director at Notre Dame this week, and he said, basically, we have games like this every year. So. You know, like there are destination games and, you know, they obviously play such a diverse schedule because uh, their independence allows them to do so. So I I don't think we'll see any kind of Notre Dame takeover. That said, uh, I'm obviously jealous of Pat. Great scene, night game. One of my favorite places to watch a game in the country, that low press box. You kind of feel like you're right on it there. I, I think... I think it'll be a great scene and uh, a great matchup. I just don't know if it'll be a great game. The last football talk I'll dare to make today is I was talking to an NFL scout last night, and he thought Georgia had the best offensive line in the country. He was blown away by the size and athleticism of that line. And Notre Dame's defensive front right now is probably not what it's been you know, over the last four or five years. So, And I had another uh, a coach tell me who saw Georgia on film that he thought Swift was the best back he'd seen on film in a long, 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 long time. Yeah, Swift has been great so far. I mean, they they, they did they got weapons. They got freshman receiver George Pickens, who's been unbelievable. Uh, Fromm has been Fromm. Yeah, and the line has been great, and they got depth, and uh, they they're good. I think Georgia's really good. Well, we will make picks later in the race for the case, but it does sound like we're all kind of on the same page. I haven't actually said anything about the game yet, so maybe I'm not. <laughs> But uh, picking against Pat is a good strategy, by the way. It is a good strategy. It is a good strategy. Pat, how are you in your locks of the week this year? I, I, I don't know. I really, quite frankly, have not paid that much as much attention as perhaps some other people have who are <laughs> looking for Schadenfreude. I got one of them right. I know that you did. I thought you were right. out for three. I got a no, no. I got a push on the first week. A push. Oh, current. all right. Oh, two and one. We'll throw you a parade. I don't even <laughs> remember what my lock was last week. Again, current not- standings. Here's the current standings. <laughs> Pete Thamel, 11 and seven. Dan, nine and nine. Pat in the Jeremy Pruitt lane. <laughs> five, 12 and one. Five, 12 and one. I demand a recount. So the all best right. part is I started talking trash on our group text on Saturday and Pat had the audacity to tell me it was premature to talk trash. And I was like, Pat, have you paid attention to who we are? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like give you the statistical analysis of how to come back? No, your picks are terrible. Mine are okay. I'm going to tell you about it all year until it changes. Like, I I thought that was pretty reasonable. You were going for like some sort of maturity and pragmatism that really listeners of this podcast have not come to expect. I just yeah. remember the results last year when we had a full season of work, full body of work, and how that turned out. And so that's why you have see. a case of bush light in your fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you you do have that advantage. You can just toast him. Why don't you just bring out a bush light and drink it right in Pete, Pete's face? <laughs> Maybe I will. Maybe I will. You know, speaking of bush light, uh, I will bring this up before we get to Michigan. One of the true heroes of uh, true heroes of college football, twenty four year old uh, Carson King from Altoona, Iowa, got uh, got to the game day in Ames last week about five thirty in the morning. Got himself a good spot. He kind of wrote up this uh, little rudimentary sign, Bush Light Supply Needs Replenished. Grammar could do is a little work, but hey, it's only national television, Carson. Set up a Venmo account, and it worked. 6,000 came in. And this is really where good people like Carson King are separated from bad people like, well, me. (laughs) Once it got over 600, he decided it was too successful. I don't believe in that saying. <laughs> so he's donating the money to the local children's hospital. And and Bush has, uh, the Anheuser-Busch people have stepped up to match it. Bush Light's throwing six grand at it too. Uh, I probably would have taken the money. Not probably either. <laughs> six grand, you get a 30-pack of Bush Light for about 17 bucks. Uh, I can assure you that. <laughs> That's the 353 30 packs. Uh, you got deposit, so I'm not sure, but you'll get that money back. It's 10,588 beers or about six months supply for an Iowa State dude. <laughs> so is he stupid or smart? Is he a good person or just a, a fool for giving away his money to the children's hospital when he could be drinking all that? <laughs> Sweet, delicious bush light, crisp and refreshing as the mountain air. Clearly violating the uh, the greed is the only way I know ethos of Dan Wetzel here. Yeah. Uh, from, from, from the man who castigated those who might want to donate to their alma maters comes this uh, gem now. Yeah. Do not give your beer money to the children's hospital. <laughs> that's, that's a great album. I mean, I've, he's a better person than me. I'm willing I, to admit yes, that. Okay. I'm in favor of Carson King. Good job. Good on you. Well done. Uh, I hope he did keep enough to drink, you know, a, a couple hundred bush lights on the side. My my favorite thing about him, though, because I was reading some story about him, is that uh, he, he went to Iowa State for a couple years and they dropped out to go to work. And he is a he is on the rapid response team at Prairie Meadows Casino. I, I don't know what rapid responding you have to do at the casino. You spot a card counter or whatever, and you go dive yeah. on the guy or, or what. But uh, Those old ladies with the slots, man. You got to keep an eye on that. <laughs> Those Iowa women, man. Look yeah. out. Yeah, right. It's all. It's actually a race, you know. They have horse racing, too. So you might be, you know, keeping an eye on, you know, jockeys that are fixing races. I, I don't know, but... Good for our, yeah. our rapid responder. Yeah, Justify wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have been able to drug up and win the triple crown. I, I think right. our guy would have been uh, would have would have been on point. Well, I am going to nominate him for podcast man of the year. Now, I don't exactly yeah. know what the voting criteria of our podcast man of the year is. Not having Dan's support, I think he can still overcome that. I think that's a great <laughs> thing to do. You get a little bush light. You raise some money for kids. You raise awareness. Anheuser Bush comes in. I hope they slid him a couple thirty packs too. If not, maybe Pat should take the thirty pack from his fridge or the yeah. case of beer from his fridge and send it to our guy in Iowa. Rapid response to congratulate him on his benevolence and give him some uh, light, refreshing Bush Light. And I mean, think about it. He gets Ames drinking water, and we all heard how good that was last week. <laughs> and he has this supply of Bush Light. Pretty good week for uh, for our guy Carson. I, I got he he really he played the long game. I would have I would not have been wise enough, particularly twenty four plus. I mean, I don't know if, what his uh, marital status is. Although, guessing that he's up with a, like a crappy sign at five thirty in the morning. <laughs> he's single. Asking for yeah, women may not be a big part of his life right now. But, but they're going to be. I mean, they yeah. have a story about this in the Des Moines Register. I mean, he is he's famous now. He's that sweet guy that. Yeah, right. Giving right. money to the sick kids. Yeah. No, he, he probably he probably scored himself some dates. No doubt. About All it. the single ladies of Altoona, Iowa, have got to be looking up Carson King around town. <laughs> and, and let's face Plus, it. You know, he's got beer. He's got yeah. beer. To, yeah, absolutely. He's got the hookup. The ladies of Ames are gonna are gonna run to Carson to get a little bit of bush light. I God should bless. send him that case that I have because at least then he, somebody would be happy to see it. So. <laughs> I'm happy that you see it. Yeah. 
Oh, Altoona is a suburb of Des Moines. So he's oh. in the he's almost okay. in the big city. Yeah. 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 And there's the Prairie Meadows. It's working the casino. See, all the ladies are gonna there'll be those old ladies at the slots trying to set them up with the granddaughter. That'll <laughs> <laughs> work. Uh, all right. Uh Michigan at Wisconsin. Huge game. Both are two and oh. Michigan struggled against Army, especially on offense. Wisconsin, uh, not a bad effort this year. They've outscored their opponents 110 to zero. Yeah. I think we'll take that. Anyway, this feels massive for Michigan to me. Wisconsin, uh, the West is so bad in the Big Ten. They could probably find their way to Indianapolis anyway. Michigan, they really need to either contend or make the Big Ten title game under Harbaugh and getting kind of knocked behind the peg early would not be so good. Worst news, I mean, they still got Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State to go, amongst other teams. Donovan Peoples-Jones is questionable. John Runyon is questionable. Wisconsin's a three-point favorite. Games at Camp Randall. Michigan has not won as the underdog while Harbaugh has been the coach. They have just one road win against a ranked team. It's last year over Michigan State. They probably didn't deserve to be ranked. And basically, to me, this is like Harbaugh in a the Harbaugh era together in a encapsulated. They beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They don't beat anybody they're not supposed to beat. They got a cool helmet, lots of fans. He makes lots of noise. Nothing ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good summation, right? There. They should put that they on their to... Twitter bio. <laughs> lots of yeah, noise. I... Nothing happens. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, cool uniforms. Like, yeah, we're all right. We beat the teams we're supposed to beat. It's not, he's not losing a lot of bad games, but he's not, not doing anything. So here you go. Can they change that? We'll give the picks later, but how big is this one for Harbaugh? Pete, what do you think? Well, it's it's this hilarious quintessential collegiate conundrum, right? Jim Harbaugh is 40 and 14 as the head coach of Michigan in five years, right? Like by any metric, that's an outstanding performance, but he has zero big wins. And it's sort of been this way. Like, I feel like if they lose to Wisconsin on Saturday, that I'm going to write the same column for like the third time, all hat, no cattle, all noise, no back. Like it's literally been the same story for three straight years with Jim Harbaugh. And there's been nothing to back it up. The worst thing for Jim Harbaugh to, to happen this season isn't that Michigan's offense is ranked number 79 nationally. Now, again, two games, small sample size. They're also somehow 22 spots behind Michigan State's offense, which actually gained a lot of yards and just couldn't score the other day. It's not that the it's it's not that the offense is is just like kind of gone sideways and uh, and is really really you know just been totally pedestrian. I just feel like the the, the biggest issue for for Michigan is I don't I don't see a way out. I, I, I when you look at their schedule and you look at how they've performed and you look at now they're sort of in this quagmire of of a scheme change that of two game sample size hasn't worked very well. I, I think there's, I, I just think they're in in a little bit of trouble. Here's an interesting nugget that, uh, that was also uncovered. Jim Harbaugh has to be the only coach in America at a power five school. Who's won more than half his games who only has two years remaining on his contract. He's done in 21. He signed a seven year deal. He's in year five, which is just like a, an astounding thing. In part, it's really dumb of him because he could have got extended at any point. Well, you know, the first couple of years, everyone's like, Jim Harbaugh's back, and we don't stink anymore, and thank God we don't have Brady Hoke or Rich Rodriguez, and he's a Michigan man, and they were literally, like, shoveling money at him, like, throwing it out of a wheelbarrow at him, and he never extended. And now, like, when you, when you look at it, and, and the other point I was going to make earlier is, not only is Michigan sort of stuck in this same rut of upper-middle class, Ryan Day has soared with Ohio State. They've soared in recruiting. And they really haven't figured out on the field right now, again, in a small sample size. But if you had to reorder the preseason predictions of which Michigan was predicted to win the Big Ten, there's no way you'd pick Michigan right now. Zero chance, no chance. Ohio State's defense was a huge issue. Jeff Halfley's come in and essentially fixed it. Uh, Ryan Day's continued the ascent on offense. Justin Fields, uh, you know, he is not Dwayne Haskins yet, but he has proven to be a high-end Big Ten quarterback with huge upside. So, Everything is going wrong for Michigan right now, and the, the narrative of good but not good enough for Harbaugh gets amplified if they lose in Madison this weekend. I agree with most of what you said, Pete. I, I, I you know, I'm not ready to to crown Ohio State yet. They've looked really good, but they've also played 
I don't even remember who they play. Florida Atlantic, Cincinnati, and Indiana. So they've they've got they got to play some more people. But neutral field tomorrow. Who do you take? I take Ohio State. Okay. I, but I, you know, I, I'm not I'm not saying there's no way Michigan can compete with them. Sure. I mean, game you know. game's not going to be a neutral field. It'll be in Ann Arbor. But yeah. Michigan's got to get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. They got to get there, and right. So does Ohio State. But yeah, here's this the, is thing, the first man. step in getting there. If you think about this, the the what the Harbaugh approval rating, so to speak, could be flipped almost completely if it weren't for one inch on one fourth down spot with JT Barrett in 2016. Yep. Think about that. Michigan wins that game. That spot just is changed a little bit. Michigan wins that game, wins the Big Ten, goes to the playoff. All the stuff about Harbaugh having done nothing is gone. Right, it's gone early. As a matter of fact, it's gone in 2016. So it's just it's interesting if you think about. I mean, you know, the proverbial game of inches, given that and given where we are now. And now, I mean, okay, they didn't get that inch and they didn't win that game and they haven't won any important game since then. And their offense, they're 12th out of 14 in the Big Ten in yards per play, 12th out of 14 in passing yards per game. Nobody's sure whether Shea Patterson's the right guy. He fumbles the ball a lot. So there's there's a lot of pressure on them, I think, to to turn it around, and and you got to start now. I mean, you you lose this game and get the negativity really going here in September, and that's a bad thing. But as Dan pointed out, they they have not won a game since Harbaugh's been there as an underdog, zero and six as an underdog. Time to beat somebody you're not supposed to beat. Going back to that game, Pat, it is a great point. It's one of these you know reasons why college football is so wonderfully ludicrous right but I think back to that game and I always felt like Harbaugh didn't get criticized enough for walking on the field and getting a penalty that set up an Ohio State touchdown because if you remember that game that was a Don Brown masterpiece Ohio State did not move the ball a square inch all afternoon and then there were a couple turnovers and do you remember Harbaugh ran on the field and threw his clipboard and Ohio State the ball I think it was first and goal at the eight and he pushed them right to the doorstep, and they were able to nudge in. I just thought the way that game had gone, that was just an enormous penalty. I don't even remember what he was arguing because it was three years ago, and there's been a lot of games since. But to me, that was as crucial of a coaching error situationally in a big game as I've as I've seen. And I always look back at that game, you know, in part, they, you know, I think Jed Fish was calling plays at the time. Remember, they threw that awful ball from the goal line that was that was a pick. Like they, there were some disastrous decisions. Yeah, that in, in led that Ohio game. State back in the game. Yes, but yes. There was also some a couple of very questionable pass interference calls, but you're going to get those in almost every game. Yes. So. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I'm sort of enjoying the Harbaugh squirm a little bit, you know, and like the Michigan fans not knowing what to do. It's it's been entertaining. At some point, they got to. He's got to break through and show that they're more than just. You know, these it's a, you mentioning his record. It was like a great line. I mean, because it's like, you know, eight and four. You you can't not go eight and four. You know, yeah, you can't not go nine and three. So, this is a big one. They get Rutgers the following week, and then they get Iowa visits, and then they get Illinois. I mean, they could easily run those off. But then there's at Penn State. They got Notre Dame visiting. They go they go to Maryland. Michigan State visits, then Indi- they visit Indiana, and then Ohio State at the end. So it's not a, you know, they got to, they got to, they got to get this one. You can't fall behind and all of a sudden go into that Ohio State game with two losses or three losses or something like that. And the game, you're just a playing spoiler. Michigan needs to at least be in that game. You lose again to Ohio State, it'll be a bitter pill, but you at least want to, you at least want to matter it going into that game. All right, uh, Dan. Let me one ask you other. this: yeah. You live in Michigan. What, what's yeah. the feel on the ground there? You interact with plenty of Spartans and plenty of Wolverines and stuff. Like, where is like the the rank and file Michigan fans sit on Harbaugh right now? You know, they it, there's nobody else. There's not a, a a groundswell to get rid of them. There just isn't. He he's he's made them a little more relevant than you know Hoke did and and things like that. It, it's more like. I think I think if they get beat soundly against Wisconsin, you'll start seeing some things change. I think they're frustrated, and but there, there's certainly enough hope. Like, well, this year maybe we can get something going here. But if, if they lose soundly, said if they lose and then they lose to Notre Dame and maybe they lose one other of those Big Ten games, and they're going in with three losses to the Ohio State game, it, it, that's a frustrating deal. And you don't, can't even win the Big Ten East in that game. So I, I just think this is a big one. They got it. They need to win this to, to stay super relevant. And if they just get, if, especially if they get beat soundly and this offense looks as bad as it did against army. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of frustrations.
Um, there, there's no question. Now, they're not going to fire him, but it is interesting, the two-year deal. You know, maybe he just, at some point, I mean, he came back to, to settle family business, and he hasn't settled a whole lot of it. They're 2-2 two and two against Michigan State. That's about all they got, which is better than what they had. But, man, Lloyd Carr looks better every year. I'll say that. These things happen, though. Auburn at Texas A&M is the other two ranked teams playing this week. Should be a great atmosphere. Just quickly, Auburn needs to keep the early mo- season momentum going, keep giving Gus a chance. A&M, I think, kind of needs to show, you know, almost like a mini bit what we're talking about with Michigan. Certainly much different state of, uh, of, of Jimbo's time there, but be nice to show something real. There's no shame in losing to Clemson. But no one wants to start two and two. Like you've got this big game on campus. Auburn is certainly a beatable team. Uh, I, I think this is a pretty interesting game for for both sides, but maybe particularly for A and M. Again, not it's not Michigan level, but I'm sure the A and M fans would like to see a little something for their for their investment here. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah, they, they you know, yes, they've invested as much as anybody in the country in a coach and a coaching staff and facilities here in the last uh, decade, over since whenever they joined the uh, the SEC. I think they they got to get Kellen Mond going. Their quarterback, very highly touted, uh, and Jimbo, you know, the quarterback whisperer guy, m- improved him un- undoubtedly from 2017 to 2018. But so far, 2019, there has not been great follow through. He was not very good against Clemson. Now, a lot of quarterbacks have been not very good against Clemson, but this was supposed to be a rebuilding Clemson defense. Um, so they they need him to play better, and he's playing against maybe the best defensive line in the country. So I think a lot of pressure on him. Their their top running back is out uh, for the season with an injury. It's a big game for A and M, and I'm not sure they're going into it in great shape. I'm going to be uh, curious how old Bo Nix does in this game. He obviously did just enough in that opener against what's proven to be a a very good Oregon team. But now now welcome to the SEC, Bo. Now you're going the belly of the beast. College Station is one of the great environments where we've all ever seen games, right? And you're going in there, you know, almost a hundred thousand people all against you. And, you know, that offense looked pretty awful, that entire Oregon game. Now you're going against a defense that has some film on you, that has an idea of what you want to do. And I think it'll be a really interesting chess match to see what Mike Elko can do with a freshman quarterback who, you know, can Gus open up the whole playbook and really let it rip uh, for Bo Nix yet? I don't think so. So I like A&M in this game a a lot, and I do think we're going to start to see a little bit of a spiral from Auburn here because their run game hasn't really shown up. I think they're just okay at receiver. Certainly they have the defensive line, but I just think they're uh, they're a little bit flawed, and we're going to start to see it come apart on Saturday. All right, UCLA's 0-3 disaster. Chip Kelly has been a disaster thus far at UCLA. Recruiting's bad. It's all bad. They visit 19 Washington State Saturday. Interesting thing was Kelly was asked why his offense isn't like the one he ran at Oregon when the Ducks uh, rose up and became this national powerhouse. Bruins are averaging 14 points a game. Uh, they used to get that in, man, it wouldn't even take two. It would, it would, they would get 14 with one series. They get six. Then they get the two point at Oregon. Remember, <laughs> they, were, they were big yeah. on that. Oh, yeah. Then they score again. Even before the 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 extra point or two-point conversion, they'd have 14. In classic Chip Kelly, he just was shocked at the question. The reporter said, that you have a lot of you had a lot of success with it. He says, people had a lot of success with the single wing in the 1930s, too. Okay, disdainful Chip Kelly at 0-3, baby. Quote, Oregon was a long time ago. It's totally two different operations. Again, another weird view that we're going to run what we did at Oregon. That was 2012. Football evolves and things evolve. So maybe drop that take, to be honest with you. I never said when I came in here that we were going to run the offense that we were running at Oregon. So I don't know why that continues to come up as a question, to be honest with you. Well, let me break it down for you here, Chip. (laughs) The reason it continues to come up with a question is because you are making millions of dollars because of what you did at Oregon. (laughs) Yeah. We want the offense. That's why you got hired. That's why UCLA fought to keep you from going to Florida. Somebody had this pointed out on Twitter. Imagine if Florida had gotten Chip Kelly. Right. Oh, yeah. All right. And then the likelihood was that then Tennessee would have gotten Dan Mullen. Right. Boy, that's a whole different situation. You think? A lot of things go different. 
It was a, a great miss for Scott Strickland. Great, great miss. miss. But what he's saying here is the game has evolved and he can't evolve with it. Yeah, right. I mean, what are you telling us? The game's evolved. <laughs> I suck now. Yeah. And that's, what? Hey, you know, okay, fine. If 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 that offense isn't going to work, then run something that will work. Because what you're running now is garbage. Your team is terrible offensively. I mean, they are dreadful. So I mean, if 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 what you were doing before you say you know is is not going to work, then you better find something that will for twenty three point three million dollars, which he's getting. I'm gonna I'm gonna have an unpopular take here. I believe Chip Kelly at UCLA is going to work. I really do. Okay. It has not worked at all. It's been mind bendingly bad. He doesn't have a quarterback. Dorian Thompson Robinson is not the answer. He is just simply not accurate. He's a great athlete. He was the number two quarterback recruit in the country behind Justin Fields two years ago. He's a, he's a sophomore now. And if you have watched UCLA, you've just seen him miss open receivers and passes. So obviously Chip Kelly needs to address that. They have Colson Yankoff who transferred from Washington down there. The, the Jim, the leftovers from the Jim Moore recruiting classes, uh, you know, that their upperclassmen just simply aren't that deep and talented. I think given time, given the way he's developed guys over the years and his general offensive acumen, as we know, he references the wing T. He must know a lot about football. I do think it's going to end up okay there. But I could understand why you would think I'm totally ludicrous, but I just I, I have a I have an unbending belief, having seen him go forty six and seven at Oregon, that he will figure something out. Define okay. What what are we what are we at? What are we getting? What's well, okay? It's, it's for UCLA, right? Like yeah. So again, they paid him a lot of money. They expect him to win big. The Pac-12 is vulnerable. I thought there would be some momentum by now. Remember, they closed last year really strong. Beat USC. You know, there it felt like there was a little bit of momentum there. It hasn't translated on the recruiting trail, which obviously is an is an issue. But I think there'll be a bowl team next season. And then I mean, not having a quarterback. Them. When you're at UCLA, I mean, it's UCLA. You're in LA. There are quarterbacks. He's uh, dial up your old pal Willie Lyles, then see if you get one out of Texas, man. <laughs> I mean, they they have 11 recruits committed right now. They have the 66th ranked recruiting class. There's one four star. It is a quarterback. He's from New Hampshire. <laughs> Parker yeah. McQuarrie. I don't know whether the kid's good or not. I hope he is. Six foot seven. I, I hope the kid is fantastic. When you're UCLA, you don't have to go to New Hampshire to get a quarterback. You go down the street. You know what? When you're Even if your players aren't good, the scheme is supposed to be. They're 129th in the country out of 130 in total offense. They're dead last in yards per play. They're the worst offense in America right now with a guy that's an offensive genius. Look at this commitment list. Oh, they only have 11. Okay, they're UCLA. My God. But they have a kid from Oakland, one from Riverside, one from Pasadena, one from Bellflower. That's Northern California, too. And Temecula. I mean, that's it. They're they're recruiting nationally. There's plenty of kids. I don't know. I might be right, Pete. But maybe go with the wing T. I don't know. <laughs> he said if he had his druthers, he'd run the uh, the wishbone or something. I don't know. He has been, like uh, he's been fascinated by uh, Ken Niamatololo at Navy and spent a lot of time studying him. He has also studied uh, New Mexico, which runs some sort of uh, some sort of veer. That, that's what you run when you don't have athletes because your <laughs> campus is not located in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> totally makes sense at, New, at Navy. She's all right. We got a bunch of five foot ten guys here. All right, <laughs> right. let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's run the wishbone. We yep. can't recruit six foot four, four four forty speed. No, okay. I don't know. Anyway, they might go zero and four this weekend. Got yeah. Coach Leach. You know, we should get to this, Coach mm. Leach. I'm surprised it took this long. <laughs> I tried to get a little football in. Let me just say, if you're looking for football discussion, come back at the race of the case because I don't think there's going to be a whole lot more. <laughs> We gave him. We gave him a several yeah. long minutes. Of I football. think that's the most football we've talked about since yeah. we revived this thing in August. I would so last year we broke down who would win a fight if all the Pac-12 coaches had a battle royal, and then I think I think we did it first, but then Mike Leach got asked about it, or else Mike Leach inspired us. I don't know. We did a lot of coach fights. I think we came up with Mario Cristobal was our champ. Although I was in favor of Kyle Whittingham because of uh, he trains at altitude. It's always a good <laughs> trick for the fighters. <laughs> but anyway. 
Mike Leach was asked this week who could win a battle royal between all the Pac-12 mascots. And here, here is his answer, because like only he can deadpan this with pure justice. So cue it up there, Sully. First of all, what kind of mythical powers does a Sun Devil have? We've got to consider that. <laughs> I'm going to say the Wildcat's out. Uh, the Trojan, is he? does he have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow and arrow or just his sword? The Bruin, definitely formidable. And the other bear up there at Cal. Uh, the tree, I imagine that tree's going to get chopped down. Or it's unless we're going to go with the bird and somebody might get pecked or something. I don't know. The duck might lose interest and just fly away and get out of there, which may be good advice under the circumstances. Uh, the husky, no chance. The beaver... Well, we'll see how long that beaver can hold his breath. Um, the ute, again, we're back to, uh, is he on horseback? Does he have a bow and arrow? Did he trade for a rifle? I mean, you know, because if that ute's got a rifle, there's some definite problems. You know, you'd have to get one of those Harry Potter activists to read up on how you kill a sun devil because there's a lot of uh, outside stuff there. As far as the beast alone... Uh, a buffalo's going to be pretty hard to tangle with. I mean, a, bu a buffalo's utterly outstanding. <laughs> Did I leave any of them out? The cougar find yeah, a way. Uh, Clear-minded and crafty, a combination of stay out of harm's way and and uh, <clears throat> and attack when you get your uh, your chances or your openings. There you go. Clear-minded and crafty. That I mean, that's why he's Mike Lee. Tremendous. Just just deadpans it right out there. Breaks the whole thing <laughs> yeah. down. I think he's yeah. right. Yeah. That was the Does best. Does the Ute have a gun? They were all, he, the Ute is famous for having armed conflicts with the Mormon settlers. And, and so I think I think that means they got some kind of weapon. <laughs> they also were the first American uh, Native Americans to acquire the horse as a means of transportation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would assume they got horses. I, I think you got to give the Trojan a horse, but I think you only get a, 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 a that sword he's got. Yeah, yeah. there's been no evidence of the Trojan having a bow and arrow or a spear yeah. or any of that stuff. I don't know where he came up with that. Yeah, no. So, I mean, honestly, do you think, like, the beat writers for the Cover Washington State get together and say, all right, who's going to ask him the the off-the-wall question this week, you know? I mean... I think it was a fan question. I think yeah. they, oh, they, okay. they okay. pony it up for fan. Well, Reg no regardless, they should, Pat. Like they, they should, should go to the tavern the night before and yeah. be like, how can Mike go viral this week? Yeah. What completely insane question can we ask him? Yeah, the <laughs> delivery is just as funny as the material. <laughs> it's too. great. It's so good. Yeah. His dismissal <laughs> of the Oregon schools is my favorite part of that. <laughs> well, and, and how about I just rejected in like a half a sentence, Washington, you know, the yeah. arch rival in the oh, state. Yeah. Oh yeah. Husky, Husky out of the question. Out of the question. Yeah. Yeah. No. But uh, no, that's true. He's <laughs> and starting with the mythical power of the Sun Devil. Yes. I mean, that is that's really perfect. yeah. What is the Sun Devil? I, that probably yeah. is the favorite betting yeah. favorite. Yeah, he sure. elicits the uh, sure. Harry Potter activist to find out yeah. how to maybe yeah. compel the yeah. Sun Devil. I guess what the hell runs through his mind? All right, speaking <laughs> yeah. of mascots, uh, UAB, the 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 <laughs> the UAB. What are they? The Blazers? Blaze? What are they? Yeah, yeah. Blazers, Blazers, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, they've got a dragon involved in theirs. And UAB Athletic Director Mark Ingram, he did a, an interview with AL.com. He discussed the possibility of ramping up the home game environment by bringing a dragon to the stadium. <laughs> this is awesome. He used to work at Temple, and they partnered with the Philly Zoo and had a, an owl there. And the owl was well-trained. You get a picture, selfie with the owl, all that. Quote, so I thought the same thing coming here. How cool would it be to get a Komodo dragon? As luck would have it, within my first couple of weeks, someone from the Birmingham Zoo was here for a meeting. I said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're here. I've got this idea I want to share with you. What do you think of a, having a Komodo dragon? And they looked at me like I was crazy. They said, you understand this is basically like an alligator. <laughs> I said, no, I didn't. I thought it was more like a large iguana. They said, no, it's a median carnivore. It would like it'd be like having an alligator here. So I said, oh, OK, maybe you could bring it. It could be in a cage. Because LSU, Memphis, a lot of people have tigers like that. They said, what about the spit? I said, I don't understand. They said they spit at their prey, and the spit causes paralysis. <laughs> so, you know, they can go eat it. 
I said, so this is a bad idea is what you're saying? <laughs> Children getting spit on and paralyzed and then eaten potentially by the Komodo dragon. I thought it seemed like a great idea, but apparently it's not as good of an idea as I once thought. <laughs> so best interview by an AD so far. Oh, yeah. it's awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. If, if I was a Washington State beat writer, I would I would put the Komodo dragon in the battle royal next week for Leach and maybe say, OK, how does the Komodo dragon match up with the Pac-12 mascots with the paralyzing spit? Because I would there think, you, yes. you know, you advance. You, that's how you advance the story. Exactly. That is called advancing yeah, you can the be story. as clear minded and crafty as you want, but you're not getting through the paralyzing spit. Well, what about the the beaver then could get in the water? Yeah, right. Mm. Right. And I'm that telling you what, I've seen some beavers do some crazy stuff, man. Those things. <laughs> where, where? We got a cabin on a lake. There's a beaver that basically took down half the forest and built a dam at one side all by himself. You should see, you see all of a sudden you'll see like these huge branches moving through the water. The beaver's carrying them in his mouth. It's unbelievable. He'll slap that tail. It sounds like there's boulders falling. Earth earthquake. I'm telling you, don't underestimate the beaver. Beaver's a live, live I'm, underdog. I'm a beaver believer. <laughs> Pat's going to have a, 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 a support beaver, emotional support beaver. <laughs> I, I need one. I need yeah, one. I'll get I it mean, on a plane. I bet you do. I bet you do. Do uh, you ever stop at, at Bucky's in Texas, Pat? You know, the uh, you know the big Texas roadside convenience store? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I have not. But no, okay. I, I want my emotional support beaver. I'll take it. It'll kick Flirty's ass. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Whoa. Still chapped about yeah, if any uh, Oregon State folks are listening there, that uh, they can they can send a, an emotional support beaver to uh, Louisville uh, to Pat. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, well, you know, Pat, uh, <laughs> talk about your emotional support animals. I did see this. Uh, there's a woman in Missouri who is is uh, fighting to keep uh, her emotional support animals, three of them, and the animals are monkeys. <laughs> she wants. She wants what? There's somebody trying to take her emotional support monkeys from her. Yeah. So uh, the, the the city she lives uh, in, uh, in a suburb of St. Louis. She isn't even even out in the country. Has three monkeys. She's not trying to fly in a plane. She just wants them at her house. <laughs> okay. But she uh, lets them out in the yard. They, there's one named Paula, one named <laughs> Zoe, and one named Kaylee Anna. Uh, and and the neighbors are not too pleased. Yeah, imagine. Uh, yeah. Uh, emotional sport animals are not considered service animals under the Americans with Disability Act. These sort of animals provide comfort by being with a person, but, quote, because they have not been trained to perform a specific task, they're not qualified as service animals. So the town has banned monkeys, and uh, she's fighting. Uh, but she says they are her lifesavers. They just want to live in peace. She has them trained and all that. So what? which town is this? Do you, you got the town? I don't know how to spell Lewis? that thing. I don't know how to say that town. Crev Courier. Creve Coeur. Creve Coeur. Yeah, that one. Creve Coeur. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, the, I, I can't imagine the suburban monkeys in Creve Coeur are very popular. I I want to book her. I'm going to maybe call her <laughs> and see if she can fly to Louisville and then fly with her monkeys <laughs> on your flight to Georgia this weekend. Yeah, that'd be great. I just great. want to see your head explode when she walks in there with three monkeys. <laughs> Paula. It's just Paula. Paula, Zoe, and the other Kaylee Anna. You know, you're gonna, you can't give a monkey a middle name. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why? What's the point? Make can't a decision. It Kaylee? It's Kaylee or Ann. <laughs> exactly. What the hell? Yeah, it really is kind of weird. Uh, country music singer, sounds like. Really? I don't know. Uh, in, in Tallahassee, we've hit stages of uh, discontent where this week we had a four-year-old holding a lemonade stand mm. uh, and pledging all proceeds would go to help uh, FSU uh, pay for Willie Taggart's $17 million buyout. Yeah, we got the four-year-olds involved now. <laughs> uh, that parent needs to be drawn and quartered. Well, he's really involved. I, I, in fairness to four-year-old Grayton Grant, uh, he probably he didn't seem to come up with the idea. Uh, his father, Daniel, is a big FSU booster. Quote, the a platinum chief level donor. Mm. Okay. 
10 to 25 grand. That just sounds like a, like a weird of a platinum chief. <laughs> That's like a weird flex on the panhandle. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I, you're uh, a, oh, you're just a gold chief. I'm a <laughs> platinum chief. <laughs> uh, I, uh, your jets, man. No, I, I. Is this good parenting, Pat Forty? It's terrible parenting. It's terrible <laughs> parenting. If this guy's a platinum chief, he's got the money to do it himself instead of trotting his four-year-old out there to get the damn uh, well, lemonade he matched money. The funds. He matched the funds, and, and 482 were sent in. You know, kids at that age, it's like, okay, you're either going to put the money in your piggy bank, or if you've raised them with some level of idealism, you may give the money to, I don't know, a children's hospital or something like that. Now we're going to use it to buy out a football coach. Why, where, where, what world are we living in? All right, a couple things. I think it, it I, I, I do think that uh, Daniel Grant, Platinum Chief, is just really, I mean, using his kid to get the publicity to flex on the other Platinum Chiefs. Yeah. Look, if you want, if you want to really be a big timer, go to Legacy Chief. You got to give over 25K. Step it up, Daniel Grant. But you got your publicity. But I do, he, you know, he's teaching his kid entrepreneurism. He's making him work in the hot sun. No. Uh, building to a long goal because the 482 is not going to cut it. You're going to have to sell a lot of lemonade. Yeah, the buyout's and then 18 my million. Part, Minute Maid can't afford that buyout. Yeah. The lemonade was 20 bucks a cup, but if you're over 21, you got a free shot of booze. <laughs> so. I think this is actually just an elaborate ruse yeah. to get uh, FSU sorority girls to come by yeah. the Grant household. And if so, if that was the real secret plan, then I, I take everything back. <laughs> Good job, Daniel Grant. I don't know. It's uh, it's quite a scam. Speaking of alcohol, when alcohol breaks bad, you know, uh, we got to we, we want to introduce you to uh, a, a young a young man named Alec Jesse who is the uh, Western Kentucky football beat writer hmm. oh. for the WKU Herald, the student newspaper at the school. If you're a regular reader of the Herald, you may have noticed his byline was not there for WKU's loss to Louisville and Nashville. And uh, the reason is the bosses at the Herald are a bunch of jerks. That's, <laughs> let me tell you that. Alec uh, apparently went out on Friday night in Bowling Green to the uh, famed dive bar Rockies. It doesn't even open to 10. The entire bar only runs from 10 to 2. Someone's making a murdering, killing it financially, just running a bar for four hours. <laughs> he was overserved. No fault of his own, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Nobody gets out of Rockies alive. <laughs> <laughs> On the walk home, he got caught staggering a little bit, was arrested for public intoxication. And, uh, you know, that happens. It's a very hilly town. Bowling Green's tough. <laughs> huh? The sidewalks are not good. <laughs> the editors of the paper suspended him one game. He wasn't allowed to cover the game. Hung over. That is so wrong. If you want to punish somebody, make them go hung over to a WKU Louisville <laughs> game. I mean, that, that's That'll the punishment. Yeah, right. How do you get suspended from a student newspaper for drinking too much? <laughs> that, that what violates, the hell is going on in journalism these days? That violates every credo of, of student newspapers, all of them. I yeah. mean, you know, if you had shown up drunk at the game, that may be pushing it. But to be drunk the night before? Come on, man. I'm sorry, you know, bad, bad break. You get arrested for a little P.I., but let the kid go to the <laughs> game. Come on, man. It's like when yeah. you broke the trust of the readers, like they're the, <laughs> they're the other students, the readers the who are out there staggering on the sidewalk with you. The other, your All fellow the other WKU, kids WKU students. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I, I look at, I, Alec hit us up. We will recommend you for a Yahoo sports internship. Yeah. I think he's the leader in the clubhouse right now. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. WKU fine journalism program. Our, our friend Jerry Brewer from the Washington post, one of the many, many fine uh, grads from big red that are out there. So keep, keep up Free the good Alec work. Alec. Jesse. Free him. <laughs> I would like to note nobody listens to my recommendations. Yeah. And I try to stay far from the interns as I can just right. And every, all of my other, co-workers uh generally works best but i will I'll, I'll throw i'll push i'll push for you okay so good luck good luck the rest of the season uh covering i, I find that to just be atrocious what student foot what football beat writer at a student newspaper has not covered the game hungover 
I don't think you're really doing the job if you're not. I, mean, I guess the BU BYU paper. <laughs> yeah, I got a few college hangover game cover stories. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. Gotta, I was gonna say, if that was disqualifying, none of us would be sitting here right now. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. All right. Race for the case. Let's do this. Utah giving four at USC Friday night. This is the game where Reggie Bush is going to be able to come back to the Coliseum. The NCAA is going to allow it because he's working. She thanks NCAA. <laughs> also in the house is Urban Meyer. <laughs> so this, uh, this, this uh, Fox game is going to be uh, something else. Utah has not beaten SC in LA since joining the Pac-12. Will this be the week? Pete, why don't you go first? Well, I've made it very clear to our listeners that I am not going to pick Clay Helton until he gets fired. So I do think Utah wins this game. I do think they win by more than four. I do think that watching USC a decent amount last week, like the talent is there. Like they have the skill. They have big old dudes. They're just not that good. And uh, I think Utah is going to win the Pac-12, which isn't a shock. They're ranked 10th right now, and the, and the league is obviously uh, the league is obviously down. So I, I think the intriguing subplot here, other than Urban being there and other than Reggie Bush being there, is that Kyle Whittingham is the guy they should have hired a couple of years ago when they just elevated Helton. Like, he's dominated the West Coast. He plays the kind of football USC has traditionally wanted to play. You know, student body left, all that stuff. Now, he has managed to be a wildly successful head coach, without really having a competent offensive coordinator, which is a pretty amazing thing. But I would think even if a Graham Harrell sticks around, I, I would think you could draw one of those to USC if you're there. So anyway, Kyle can make a statement. I don't know if you'd ever leave Utah, but that that's going to be a fun game on Friday night. I'm fired up for that. Yeah, um, I, I think so too. The only problem, gosh, Air Force and Boise play at the same time Friday night, and I want to watch them both. So it's going to take some, some work out of me. But I'm taking the Utes to win and cover. I agree. I think that they're a more complete team. I USC does have talent. They got receivers to throw to. The new quarterback, Keaton Slovis, has been good, but they're not as well coached. And Kyle Whittingham and that defense will have something for Slovis and Utah wins and covers. All right. I will uh I'm gonna take Utah on that. I'm sticking with them too. I don't I don't love that USC team, although I do like them at nighttime a little better, but we're all going Utah, so that's a little boring. All right, uh Michigan at Wisconsin. Wisconsin mm -hmm. given three and a half. Michigan hasn't won in Madison since 2001, which doesn't really matter to this game. Some of these guys were probably born in 2001 or close <laughs> to it. Yeah. What do you got, Pat? You first. Um, yeah, I've been super impressed with Wisconsin so far. Obviously, the defense had a blip last year. They had, everybody was hurt, and they were down. But now this looks like a Jim Leonard defense again, two shutouts. They had another week. Uh, they had a week off, so they're going to be prepared for the game, as did Michigan. But I think that also helps Jack Cohn, the quarterback who's in his first year starting for the Badgers. He's been good. This is going to be tougher defense to play against, obviously. But uh, Jonathan Taylor, and uh, they've and they've got a good, enough good receivers now. So I think they they crank it up and they win and cover. Yeah, I, I have a hard time envisioning this game being like, I think it'll be low scoring and tense, but I think it's like it ends up being like 21-10 Wisconsin. I, I agree with Pat. Leonard's done a really good job with with a little healthier cast of Wisconsin becoming Wisconsin again. And look, anyone who forecasted a Wisconsin dip like hasn't been paying attention. It's a pretty good formula there. Their their quarterback is always going to like lack a little bit of diamondism, other than the year they stole Russell Wilson. But I I really feel like Wisconsin should control this game, and it's really a game of a program with an identity on offense and a game with a program who doesn't have an identity on offense. It's boring, but I'm taking Badgers. I think they're going to kill them in the trenches. Just kill them. So we got nothing going. No blood in first two. Ah, <laughs> uh, number eight Auburn at number thirteen A and M. A and M is giving four. A and M hasn't beaten Auburn at home since joining the SEC. See, Sully writes these little notes up to make it look like I did. You like my little note? Like my little note? That's a pretty good note. I don't know what that note means. Um, how many times they played Auburn at home? I guess a couple, six. Yeah, like no. three. They, they're, they're all in yeah. three at home against them. Okay. Sully gets three. his notes from the 40-yard dash, man. Ah. <laughs> Where else them. would he get them from, Pat? Oh, That's right. Nothing else you need to read. All right. Uh, Pete, what do you got? Auburn A&M. I tipped my hand earlier. I like A&M in this game. I think uh, Bo Nix gets a little wide-eyed and happy-footed, and uh, Mike Elko's defense shuts down the Gus bus. 
Pat? Hate to agree, but I agree. Oh. Uh, I just think this sets up well for uh, for AM, and I'm not 100% sold on that uh, Auburn offense. All right, same. This won't do much for the standings, but I like AM at home, too. I think uh, that's a that's it's different playing on the road than um, neutral site, which is what Nick's got against Oregon. All right, Oklahoma State at Texas. Texas is giving five, 730 ET on ABC. Here's our note. Cowboys are riding a four-game win streak in the series. Five straight in Austin. Holy cow. It's been 10, five straight. That's, that'll tell you something. Still, Texas is uh, giving five. Give me Oklahoma State, baby. Give me the mullet. You know, it's classic gear where Gundy, the less you expect, the more he delivers. And usually the converse, the more you expect, the less he delivers. But they've got they, they got a running back leads the nation in rushing right now, Chuba Hubbard. They've got a receiver who leads the nation in receiving, Tylen Wallace. Uh, they've got a freshman quarterback who's playing extremely well. So I think this sets up well for the Cowboys to, uh, to poke them with upset. So I'm at a crossroads right now because I totally think Oklahoma State's the pick here. But I can't keep agreeing with Pat. That's just like I know he's due. But like, I just think that's, you know, it's a it's a sure way to lose. So uh, as much as as much as I, I my instinct says to go against Pat, I'm, I'm going to go with what my uh, football brain thought. And I am going to take the Cowboys and the mullet down there. Wow. All right. I'll, I'll switch it up. I'll take UT in this. Okay. Uh, I go home. I just going to put points on the board and uh, I got to see Oklahoma State prove it to me. So we're going to end the streak. Here we go. That's when I make some make some move. All right, uh, Pete, you're up first. Notre Dame, number seven in the country against third-ranked Georgia. Georgia is a two-touchdown favorite. Game is on CBS. Notre Dame has lost to nine straight top five opponents. I I mean, 14 is obviously a big number. Uh, and, you know, it, it's teasing you and nudging you to take the Irish, but I, I'm going to take Georgia. I, I just think Georgia wins this game by three touchdowns. I, I just think they're better. I think the environment, and look, if Ian Book had looked like Ian Book, in the opening week, I would be more inclined to, to maybe go with the Irish, but he was awful. And uh, I mean, when you're a undersized quarterback whose accuracy is your defining thing and you're not accurate, that's scary. And it, if it's scary at Louisville, I don't want to know, see what it looks like in Athens. No, I, I, I think uh, Georgia wins and wins big. I think that uh, ah, we can't have all agree. <laughs> oh, that's awful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Unsubscribe to this podcast. We're boring and predictable. <laughs> Leave vitriol in the comment section. Ugh. Group think. Man, I, I want to pick Georgia. I just think they have too much talent. I, 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 Sully just, Sully on our Google Doc is typing in ND for me. I don't know why. Too much <laughs> talent. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll take them. I'll take the Irish just to shake it up. Okay. Just to shake it up. I think they've been preparing for this game all summer. Brian Kelly, excellent coach. They will keep it within two touchdowns. It'll be a little bit of a wild one. And uh, when it's 35-7 to seven in the second quarter, I'm going to hate myself. Locks of the week. Pete Thamel, who's your lock of the week? I usually have not prepared this. Can you go first? Can you handle it? Uh, you know, let, let Pat go first. Pat, we'll, Pat go first. We'll give him the advantage. I'm, I'm just thrown off by us picking all the, all the same games. Also, I can't talk crap to Pat all day on Saturday, which is usually one of the more fun pastimes of my college football yeah. Saturday, mocking Pat for his picks. So I'm going to miss that. Anyway. Well, <clears throat> probably the hex is on and now your picks are going to be terrible because mine have been terrible. But, you know, boy, I shoot. I wanted to go with Northwestern getting nine and a half at home against Michigan State because they always beat Michigan State and that's a lot of points at home. But Hunter Johnson's been so bad at quarterback. I can't do it. I, I cannot pull the trigger on the Wildcats there because they may get shut out. They may not score. <clears throat> of course, Michigan State may score three. That could be a three-nothing game. So, failing that, I'm going with UCF, man. Oh, that was mine. Oh. <laughs> you had the chance to go first. You you deferred. You defer. I take the kick. I drive down and score right here. UCF giving 11 and a half, a big number, but they're they're good. They're at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh coming off a big emotional game. Pat Narduzzi can't count. Uh, lay the lumber with the Knights. I am going to take Boston College minus seven at Rutgers. Uh, and the thought <laughs> here, the thought here being that Boston College is just much better than Rutgers and laid a dinosaur egg. I 
just can't see that game being competitive. If that game had been last week, Boston College would have been a 24 point favorite. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to I'm going to go with the uh, I'm going to go with the fighting Adazios on the road. It's two weeks in a row. I wanted UCF and I, I can't have them because I was going to uh, I was going to pick them last week as my lock against Stanford. So enjoy your win, Pat. And uh, I will be I will be rooting for uh, for the for the AJ Dillon and company down in down in dreary dreary Piscataway. Cry cry yourself a river there. I got to say that's a very very good pick. But then you have to monitor the BC Rutgers game. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's my punishment for not going first. It's like uh, it's like running that's gassers right. uh, after missing chance, a free man. throw. Yeah, I'm taking Washington State giving 19. They're home against UCLA. UCLA is terrible. Those players do not want to go all the way to Eastern Washington. (laughs) That those kids are like, get me back to LA. What are we doing here? Our coach stinks. (laughs) We're they're ready to quit on this season. They will score six points. Washington will Leach is going to run it up. You got to. You got to get kids out of LA. I'm taking Wazoo on that one as my lock of the week, which I have not been very good at locking anything. Of late. All right, that's the I'm podcast. Oh, my locks, sub- by the way, just in case anyone's yeah. wondering. There you go. Take that. Take that for your gambling advice. Subscribe to the podcast, please. Write a nice review. Rate us well. Tell your friends to listen so we can keep doing this because we have a good time doing it. And we will be back early Monday morning for the overreaction to whatever the hell happens this weekend. Take care.